Yo, welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider. Today, we are going to be talking about what happened during the NBA draft last night. Now, I wanted to make a mock draft podcast for you, for you all, but uh, I honestly did not have enough time to fill it in. I was working on the podcast like right before the draft happened, and I just knew by the time I made the podcast, the draft would have already been going on. So would really anybody be listening to that? I don't know. Maybe people would have been interested. I made one. Um, however, I didn't put it on a podcast. So I did still evaluate a lot of the guys that we ended up grabbing. And I'm going to be talking to y'all about how I feel about the Thunder did and what the future looks like for them. So I fully expected us to trade up in the draft. There were rumors that we were trying to get Aaron Naismith out of Vanderbilt. He's just like a straight-up three-point shooter. He's shown he can be a shot creator. I didn't really see it working with us um, because Dort, I personally think Dort's our shooting guard of the future. I guess you could slide him to a small forward and Naismith could play, um, play there. It'd be an it would be an interesting combo, but it really didn't match up too well with the timelines. I think his I don't think he really fits what we need. I think we needed more of like a playmaker type if we were gonna trade up like huge because he got picked fourteen. Item picked fifteen at the Magic, but that would be a steep price to pay. And maybe it was just all rumors. There was no substance to it, substance to it. But yeah, what we did do, however, is we traded up to number seventeen in the draft and I thought 18 was a spot that would be traded the Mavericks had the 18th pick and the common rumors thrown around was that we were going to make a play package some maybe like Gallinari to try to get number 18 and we would take Alexei Pogachevsky and we ended up getting him, but it wasn't at 18, and it cost a lot more than I honestly expected that it would cost. Now, the really stupid thing about this was whenever I watched the drafts, I think last year, it was one year or two years ago, Woj was on ESPN, and he would break the draft pick before... Um, Silver went to the podium to announce it and that kind of that takes the fun out of all of it Now it would have been nice if he updated like If he made some updates not like calling the draft pick before it happens But just updated on trades, you know, and I knew if I went on Twitter everything would have been spoiled So I just decided that I wouldn't check Twitter the whole draft and ended up screwing me over because when the Timberwolves drafted uh, Pokachevsky, I thought that we didn't make a deal with them. I don't even think ESPN brought him, brought the Thunder up. I think maybe they might have mentioned the Thunder like once after that draft pick, but I don't think it was like cold hard. This is this is getting moved to the Thunder. I don't remember seeing that to be honest with you. So Pokachevsky's off the board. And then Josh Green got taken off the board at 18 with the Mavericks. I thought maybe we made a trade to get Green. I, I definitely thought we got... Pokachevsky was done. 
I didn't think we were trading up after the Mavericks. I thought if we didn't trade for them, we weren't trading for anybody. And why would we trade up for Josh Green? I don't know. He's still another shooting guard. But, yeah. So, I was getting nervous because my the guys that I wanted at 25, it was all about upside coming into this draft. And I think everybody knew that if we were drafting, it had to be going for home run. We need to go home run after home run. Why take a dude who has a high floor and not a high ceiling when we can, you know, we're not in a position where we need a guaranteed role player. We're in a position where we need stars. We need the people with the highest ceilings in the draft. And Pokachevsky was definitely one of them. Like I said, I didn't even believe that we took him until like an hour after the Timberwolves made that pick. Um, but the guys that I was thinking of were, were RJ Hampton. As we were approaching, RJ Hampton and Jaden McDaniels were the two guys that I was thinking we would take at 25 and 28. Keep in mind, like I said, I thought the Thunder still had the picks. And... Of course, right before RJ, or right before 25, which is where I thought we had the pick, Denver, in classic Nuggets fashion, like always, they always snag the hyped up prospects who slide a little bit. They stole RJ Hampton. He's going to be a really nice piece for them. I had him going to the Celtics in my mock draft. Now, I think they're better with Naismith, to be completely honest with you, but Hampton for the Nuggets, is going to be an absolute steal off the bench. He's fast as hell. He can shoot from the mid-range. He's 6'5". Guy's a freak athlete. He can dribble a little bit. The issue is shooting and passing. And in retrospect, I think it's fine that we didn't take RJ Hampton. I was just dead set on us picking a point guard this draft because we really didn't have much coming into this. It was SGA if we put him at point. And then we had Jalen LeCue and Ty Jerome. Jalen LeCue's not really known for being a passer. He's just like an athletic freak. Ty Jerome's a little bit more known for being a playmaker. But I don't really have, I don't really have, uh, any high expectations for him. I think LeCue could be something, but he still needs to develop a lot. He's super raw. Outside of that, outside of his athleticism, there isn't a ton that he's shown thus far. But anyways, I thought RJ Hampton would have been great at 25. Now, he was off the board. And at 25, Emmanuel quickly got taken. And I was freaking out because quickly looks decent, but he would have been terrible for us. Now, he's going, he's going elsewhere. I don't know if he went to Minnesota or if he got looped into another team. But we don't have quickly. But I was freaking out because I thought that the Thunder actually took that guy. Now, a guy that I would have liked would have been Jaden McDaniels. Um, he's like six foot ten. He has some long arms. His wing or his upside in this class, for for where we were in the draft, there, I think Jaden McDaniels probably had the highest upside in the back of that first round. He has nice handles for being so tall. His jumper looks really good and he can dunk for a guy in the back end of the first round with the size that he has he would have fit perfectly with us and I think we may look back at this obviously Jaden McDaniels his floor 
is so... I think it's his floor is so low. His ceiling, if he hits his ceiling, I kind of think he's like a Darius Baisley kind of player whenever we took him. But Baisley has that playmaking skill to him. Um, He's really good at, you know, Baisley, as we've seen, he's really good at making decisions. He will find the open man. He makes smart plays. McDaniels is, like, really erratic, and he doesn't do that. So, if we took him, he would have been a he would have been a project player. I do think he would have got minutes with us, like, immediately. And I think he could have developed well with us. He had all the things that you would like. If he pans out, he's a spark plug off the bench, and you might even be able to start him. He was just a shot creator. With that frame and his ability to score... And he honestly is pretty fast. He could do some damage in the NBA. Um, his brother's also in the NBA. He He's kind of a fringe NBA player. And I was thinking maybe he may just pan out like his brother and hardly get minutes. But I don't know. I think Jaden McDaniels was a sneaky dude that I'm pretty disappointed we didn't end up getting. Now, the package for number 17... That's kind of a steep price to be paying. We gave up Ricky Rubio, who only making like 15 mil a year. He may be making a little bit more um, coming into this one. But I know last year he's only making 15 mil. He's a kind of a starting starting caliber point guard. I think if we waited till the deadline, we could have actually gotten a pick for him or something. He was more of like a throw-in dude here. And then we gave up 25 and 28. So to move up... Um, two first-round picks and Rubio, that seemed like a little bit of a steep price. And as the draft was going on, um, they announced that the Thunder didn't have 25 and didn't have 28, literally right before the 28th pick. That's when I found out we got Pokachevsky, um, instead of quickly and what ended up being McDaniels. Now, um... What I was saying, yeah. So, I my expectation that was that we had those. We ended up losing them. Anyways, um, the trade that we made, it's kind that was kind of a lot. Now, in retrospect, maybe it's not that bad because I do think Pokachevsky does have probably one of the highest ceilings in the draft. Definitely outside like the top, I'd say top seven. Because I do like Killian Hayes. I'd say outside of the top seven, he probably has the highest upside. And he could very easily be the best dude out of there. So, we did pay up a heavy price for him. I kind of would have preferred, and I'm kind of surprised, we weren't able to make it like 25 in our 34th pick. But, I don't know. I really like who we took at 34 anyway. So, it wouldn't have made too much of a difference but Alexei Pokachevsky he's kind of he was the mystery man heading into this draft he has all the abilities that he has the mold like every, he has all the pieces you want in a basketball player and he's seven feet tall seven foot three inch wingspan and he was the youngest dude in the draft at 18 years old He's an absolute twig. He's barely over 200 pounds. And I've seen 
some sources have him as like 195 196 and it goes from there to like 208 i just went in the middle ground 201 that sounds fine to me now i kind of am enamored in like this the you know how european prospects are scouted and stuff in the Woj pod they had a really good podcast he had a really good podcast about Giannis if you haven't listened to it it is absolutely amazing one of the things that stuck out Sam Presti in 2013 actually wanted to take Giannis with the 12th pick but the the thing about it was Medical records of Giannis were not made public to certain teams, and the Thunder was one of those teams who didn't get medical records. So Presti said if we took Giannis, he would have to play in Spain for a year and develop and come back. Giannis didn't want that, so I'm assuming it the conversation ended there and we ended up taking Steven Adams. Either, you know, Adams worked out fine for us. Maybe even we were looking at Rudy Gobert that year because um he would have been solid for us as well however i mean imagine Giannis on this team but the point that i was trying to make was presti is in love with these long-armed tall dudes who possess playmaking ability and pokachevsky when you compare the measurables with Giannis now their play styles coming into this draft coming in their respective drafts are totally different Giannis was more of like a I mean he was just coming in as a straight-up athlete he was fast as hell he was getting rebounds and he was running down the other end of the court and and dunking it now the speed that you saw from Giannis Pokachevsky really doesn't have that his play style is more revolved around playmaking and shooting that's what i that's what i'd mark it as and Giannis, as we know he still really hasn't developed that jumper yet but the measurables of Giannis, he was six foot ten with seven foot three wingspan uh, coming into his 2013 draft and he only weighed 196 dude has some giant hands as well pokachevsky he came into this he's seven feet tall Seven foot three wingspan, two hundred and one pounds, and he also has some gigantic hands. It's a similar these are similar similar measurables. Um so Presti obviously saw something in the guy. Now Giannis, between his rookie and sophomore season, I'm kinda surprised by this. He was able to gain twenty one pounds between those two years. So he went from only weighing 196 to 217 entering his sophomore season. If we can put that much weight on Pokachevsky, we should be in good shape. He's 201 pounds now. That's what I'm labeling it as. I think if we are able to get him up like 15 pounds, get him like 216, or preferably... If we can get him like 20, 20 pounds, 221, or just 220, that should be the bar. If he can reach that, that is perfect for him to start getting NBA minutes because the knock on him right now is he's way too skinny, he's really raw, he hasn't played enough competition, 
get his weight up and by next season he should be able to play minutes for us I think he's still gonna play minutes this season but even more so he's gonna have a lot more muscle to him because at seven feet tall barely weighing 200 pounds he's he's kind of a twig now I really like Pokachevsky to be honest with you he whenever I was looking at the big man all the big men in this class he's probably the best passer his passing vision for his height is just straight up insane there's not a lot of tape on him because he only played like 11 games in the um the olympiacos b team that's a lower level team in i'd want to say i'd want to say greece it may be serbia i'm not 100 percent positive on it but yeah he was on the developmental team so it wasn't like he was playing against stars but in his 11 games, he was showing off. Now, there are multiple times this dude is running down the court just throwing no-look passes. If if we can continue to, like, if he can continue that on to the NBA, that's going to be, that's going to be a really nice quality to have. Now, does no-look passes really mean that much? Uh, all you got to do is just get the ball over there. It doesn't matter how you do it. Just having that kind of craftiness to his passing game already uh, is perfect. And I think he can totally build on that. So he could be a passing big guy um, off the bat. And I think that's a skill that is already developed. And I'd say even if some of the other aspects of his game don't pan out, passing is always going to be a thing that Pokachevsky is going to be good at. Now, one of the other things that I really loved his outlet passing he gets a rebound and he chucks it to the other side of the court like instantly he grabs it he turns around he sees the dude on the other side of the court bang it's over to him sets up a perfect fast break for his teammates and one of the things that i also liked he likes to pass out of his shots like a lot now he reads the he reads the the help defense. He always looks and reads the defender to his left or right whenever. Normally he's patrolling the middle of the court. He's looking onto the corners to see what his you know what the defender on the corner is doing. If the guy on the corner is trying to help out on Pokachevsky, he's going to get the ball and he's going to throw some of them I believe were no looks. He's going to go up for it, and he's going to dish it out to the open man on that corner. That is something that he will keep doing. And there was even a tap pass. He did a tap pass where he read the defender on the corner. He was patrolling the middle. He could have grabbed it and just tried to lay it up over the guy. I think it was a guard. But instead, he opted. It was high pass, almost like a lob, oh, damn near. He just taps it to, to his teammate, who was wide open for a mid-range shot. You know, it's kind of some circus stuff, what he pulled. But I'd rather him be doing a ton of circus stuff in the EuroLeague than him just not, you know, not going for the crazy stuff. Not getting out of his comfort zone. Because he very well may just be used to doing flashy passes. Because from the tape, you see a lot of just 
passes you don't see from seven footers. Now, another trait that I think he will keep He's just a shot blocker, and that just comes with the frame. If you're 7 feet tall with that kind of wingspan, you're going to be really good at rejecting shots. Now, can you put him in on an NBA team and make him patrol the paint? Absolutely not. He's going to get bullied right now. Just with his weight, It's he's going to get bullied, and it's not going to be a good bet. But what I'm saying is if he's... A help defender coming from one of the sides. If someone's driving in and going for a layup, he will swat it like every single time. And I think if he continues to gain weight, you can fit him at the four. I don't even know. Maybe at the five. If you can get his weight to like 240, I'd say you could put him at the five. Um, and he'd be a good shot blocker for you with the frame he has. Now, one of the things, his transition offense, he gets the rebound. There was a, there was a play. He smacks a guy, he smacks a shot off the glass. He grabs it and immediately runs transition. He sprinted so fast up the court. He went around everybody and he laid a shot, a high arcing shot off the glass. In transition, he is going to be a problem. Because we've already figured out his passing game is on another level for his height and his position. It's on another level. And his touch at the rim, especially in transition, looks amazing. So if you're a defender, two on one, if Pokachevsky has the ball, you need to be looking at both options. Because it's not just like, you know, it's not like he's only good, he's not good at passing, so you're expecting a layup. No, he can do either, and he can do either really well. He can dump the pass, or he can just take it himself. He's a major threat, and with the speed that he has, in transition, he has the speed. He's a major problem, and he's already a major problem, and I think in the NBA, he would already be a pretty solid transition offense guy. Now, when it comes to his playmaking skills... Not not necessarily passing, but we're talking on he has the ball. On ball offense. Don't be expecting Pokachevsky to be stringing up a ton of dribble moves. He's more of the uh he's more the type he'll do a maybe like a step back, he'll catch the ball, do a dribble to the side, step back, shoot it, do a, you know, I think he relies a lot on step back shots. He has a solid behind the back in transition. Um, if you get somebody leaning, he can pull one of those on you easy, and he's right at the rim. So I like his step back a lot. I like his behind the back a lot. But he's not going to be doing some between the legs, crossovers, stunning you, and then driving to the lane. He's more of a do one dribble move, do a crossover. If he sees an opening, he'll take it. But you can't really play him ISO, at least not right now. Um, with him being so thin and him not having like the ability to do a ton of moves, I don't really think he's a great ISO player now. If you bulk up, maybe. With the frame, that's what makes it so hard because if he's able to pick up some speed and pick up his dribbles a little bit, 
he can do a, he can do a little crossover and then just charge right at you. And as you, as the defender, what can you do? He has the frame of Giannis right now, and the speed's not all there, and the weight's not all there. But if he's able to pick both of those up, he will be able to get by the defender, and he'll have a wide open look at the basket, and where he can dump it off or try to finish it himself. So, playmaking wise, he's not the type he's stringing a lot up. He's more of just try one thing. If it's there, it's there. If it's not, you know, he'll dish it out and he'll he'll just reset. So, one thing that I do like, he is a decent guy off the pick and roll. I think you can set him a, you know, if you set him a screen, he will be able to to operate. He can shoot a little bit. Um I wouldn't have total confidence in his jump shot, but his form does look nice. Uh, his jumper, a little bit on the slow side, but with his wingspan, he gets it off. His release point is so high, and it's so high arcing. It's a really hard jump shot to defend, despite it, you know, being able to close out sort of fast due to, you know, him not being the quickest when it comes to the release. But if he's able to develop that jumper, if you set him a screen, he can drive in and operate, or he can try to shoot. And off a pick and pop, if he can get by his man, the other defender will have to help out. He'll kick it back out to the guy, uh, the screen setter. You have a wide open shot. So, I do like it there. I also think he could just be the screen. He also could just set the screens. Not at 201, but maybe in a couple in a couple years if his weight's up, he can set your screens and be a pick and pop or... He can roll in because he does have a nice touch, like I said. Now, when he was playing in his NBA or when he was playing in um, Olympiacos B, the jumper, the three-point percentage, thirty-two. It's not bad, but with thirty-two percent, you can't. You know, that's not really popping off the page. That's not a high percentage three. But one thing that I like to look at is what the free throw percentage is. And at 78% from the free throw line, that should be a that should be a sign of good things to come. I think with a a good free throw, if he can continue to develop that coming into next year, um bump it up a little bit, you should see his three-pointer going up as well. Because it does kind of correlate a little bit between how well you shoot your free throws and how well you shoot from behind the arc. Now, one little knock that I have on his game. I told you he does have a nice touch at the rim. But he doesn't like absorbing contact at all. And there's an obvious reason. It's because he just doesn't have the build for it right now. He He really can't take a lot of contact. I think it's an issue that will be resolved by itself just due to him, you know, getting a, a new diet. He's going to be eating a ton of food. I'd assume he's bulking up. I think in time he will be able to take some contact. But um, one of the other things about him that I see, just his play style 
he plays somewhat like a a guard in the passes that you see from him. He likes to be a a playmaker. Um and I'd say with the shot too, it's a little bit more of like a guard, maybe small forward type cuz he does play sometimes he will play off ball and he will go around screens and and try to shoot a shot um from 3 as well. And that's one of the things that you do see from him. But his speed really does not line up with that of a guard. Or really, I'd say he's more of a projected small forward or power forward. His speed really doesn't match up with his play style. Now, like I already mentioned, in transition, he is fast. But I'm paying more attention to how he plays in the half-court offense. It takes him a while to get to that top speed. He's kind of a little bit stiff uh, in the half-court situations. And a lot of his shots that he got, like, for example, the threes, it wasn't like he was creating the shots most of the time. It was like the other team just game-planned, let him shoot the three ball, and, you know, we'll if he makes it, you know... We'll deal with the consequences. If he makes it, so be it. They were like daring him to shoot most of the time. But there were also times he just created himself. Anyways, I don't think if you put a small forward or power forward on him right now in the NBA, he's going to be able to create a shot for him. Or is he? I don't think he's going to be able to body his way inside. Not yet, though. Uh, it really just does come down to how he bulks up and you know how that affects his game because if he does become more aggressive um as a player i do expect some of those issues to just get resolved by itself but one issue that i do see that i also think can be resolved the passes a lot of these crafty passes that he ends up throwing like the ones mid-air passes he's like going up for a shot and he kicks it out he puts way too much air on those and that's just not it works whenever you're playing against the development league but when you're playing in the nba if you're putting a ton of air on these passes you're gonna be able to close out in time and a lot of the passes were dangerous already those would be steals so he has good iq on when somebody's open but he needs to be able to like zip the ball over there because the way it is now, he just kind of lofts the ball, and it gets them in time. But those kind of passes, how you know, it takes a while. Those kind of passes take a little bit too much time um, when you're looking at the NBA. But I think Presti saw this as a project player. He's going to be working on those passes, without a doubt. A, you know, a, another knock defensively, if you if he gets switched onto a guard, it's pretty much over. I look at Bull Bull kind of as an example, at least for now. Bull Bull's a I'd say he's pretty stiff. He's not a very loose player, and Pachevsky kinda is, like I said, a little stiff. On defense, he really doesn't have the mobility to scoot over yet on these guards. So if they pull a step back on Pochevsky, he can he can reach out and try to close out on it. But if 
if he's blocking it, it's like barely with his fingertips. They're going to have so much room. The only way it's getting blocked is just him extending his arm out and hoping that he hits it. Point guards and shooting guards are going to have a lot of space on Pachevsky. And in ISO, I'm putting my money on the guards. Um, at least for now, that is. Now, I wouldn't rush the guy on the NBA court. And people are saying he's like two years, three years away from even being able to play in the NBA. It's a little different here because... Our whole motive with the Thunder is wanting to just grow and hope one of these guys that we pick turns into a star. That's why we took Pachevsky in the first place. I could see him getting limited minutes with us. I don't know about right off the bat, but it's definitely a possibility. If we're looking at his positions, small forward, power forward is what we're looking at now. They're kind of low on those two positions. The backups are Isaiah Roby at small forward and Mike Muscala at power forward. Now, I don't know how long they're expected to be on the floor, but I do think time should be divvied up between the three of those. I think Pachevsky should get a cut of that. I'd say 10-12 minutes a game, see how he works. I know a lot of people would rather him just play in the G League. Um, I'd honestly, I think that would that might benefit him, but I don't know. We're already just trying to rebuild. We might as well just throw him into the Lions Den and make him play NBA level competition off the bat and just see how he plays. I'll put it this way: I think it'd be a lot better for us if we threw Pachevsky in the NBA first and if it didn't if he didn't start out well throw him in the G League uh for a little bit before he comes back to the roster but he's definitely a developmental guy I think out of the players we picked um and end up signing actually after the draft he probably is the biggest prospect out of him but he clearly has the most upside so for me it was a home run pick you're swinging for the fences if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But I do really like the potential we have in this guy. Now, in terms of comparisons, it's kind of hard because he really does show a lot in this game. I think if he can develop a shot, he's just going to be a... Uh, I'm not going to say if he develops, yeah, a consistent shot. I don't know if he'd develop an elite one. If he did, oh my goodness. I think a comparison maybe is like Detlef Shrimp. He's a good playmaker and shooter. But there's a little bit more with with this guy, honestly. He's he's a huge. Like, if he can maintain the shot and playmaking and, you know, being able to dribble, he will be a real issue in the NBA. I think the main question is just how is... You know, how is he going to pan out once we once he has more muscle on him? But I'd be really happy with this pick. He's a project guy. That's exactly what we need. We're just going off of potential. Originally, the trade looked like it stunk because we had to give up Rubio in two firsts. But we didn't need Rubio. And I think going for the upside here as opposed to 
two guys, you know, two random guys in the back end of the first. Give me Pachevsky. I like the pick. Now, my, my the second round pick, Theo Maladin, he's a point guard out of France. I could not have been happier that we ended up taking him. Now, I had him mocked as going number 20 in the draft to the Miami Heat. And I really didn't think, I thought, at, you know, worst case scenario for him, he's like a top 25 pick. He slid out of the first round, and then I was just praying. I don't know how he wound up at 34, but thank you, Sam Presti, for taking him because he's pretty much perfect for what I think the need is. He's 6'4", 6'5". You can debate on it. I'll, I'll say 6'5", just because. 6'5", 180 pounds. He's just a pure playmaker, and that's exactly what we need right now. SGA can, can be the, the main point guard, but if we want to keep going back to the two-guard lineup, you can move SGA to shooting guard and put Maladin in at point, and it's going to be perfect. There's not going to be an issue with it. With Schroeder and Paul gone, you needed a playmaker, and Ty Jerome is more that playmaker than LeCue is, but I really don't like either of them, like like I said earlier. I do like LeCue, but the playmaking skills just aren't there yet, so he didn't really fill a need. He was just an exciting dude to have in the rebuild, I guess. He works really well in like a pick and, like the pick and roll, pick and pop. He's great. If we still had Gallinari around, Maladin and Gallinari, with Gallinari being the screen center, would be a huge problem. Now, I kind of like Baisley potentially being a screen setter because as we saw in the Rocket series and just throughout the bubble, I'd say he's a consistent shooter and he's only going to get better. He'd be a great pick and pop player and he has some nice moves inside so you can make him roll too. Now, what I like is in this pick and roll, he has moves inside and he also has really good passing ability inside. Now on the on the pick and roll, he looks to dump off the pass to the center. I'd say every time. I think obviously I can't say, you know, this is what he said, but the way I look at it, I think he looks for the pass every time he drives in because he makes crazy passes to the center or whoever is inside as well the dump offs are ridiculous he already in this draft class he's an elite passer and for 19 he's an elite passer i don't know how people let him slide but i am so happy that we ended up taking him when he drives in on these pick and rolls if he can draw the defense in it's an easy assist because he just is so good at dumping it off but Let's say the option's not there. It's not like he shies away from contact. He will he will go straight into you and absorb it and try to finish inside. I I think it's perfect for us. And it's not just he's a good passer in the pick and roll. Just in general, he makes cross-court passes to the open dude all the time. I think in his league, he was considered one of the 
Um, I don't know what exactly the award is. I know Luka Doncic won it. I don't know if it was MVP. I know Luka got that. It'd be pretty, pretty crazy if Maladin was MVP and he was a second-round draft pick. But I'd say maybe like a rookie or something. At only 19, he's going, he's going to develop the passing even more than he has. And he's already, I believe he's probably a top three passer. Lamelo's in the conversation and maybe like Killian Hayes. Outside of those two, I don't think there's other guys who even are on the same level as Maladin is in passing in the draft class. Now, just the passing and finishing, you may be wondering how did he slip? He must not be a good shooter. Well, he actually is decent at it. He was able to get outside looks. He he does have a good step back like Pochevsky does. Um, he gets a lot of space there and he will pop it. And there are quality looks. He shot 36% from three in um in France last year. Now it's not like he was jacking up a ton of them. I believe he only shot like 2.2 a game. But that those are pretty solid numbers. 36%. That's a, that's a promising number for the guy. And the shot form, he has a quick release. That's what you want from him. He will get it off quick on the pick and roll. You can drive, and then he also just shoots it. Now... In terms of when he's not in the pick and roll, he's really his abilities are kind of minimized. He's not a very fast guy. And for the point guards, I love having fast, you know, fast athletic point guards. He isn't fast. He's just super duper smart um when it comes to just finding people open and he ma- he's able to make it work even though he's not very fast. Now, yeah, He's very he's very smart and that makes up for him not being quick. But in isolation, I wouldn't really count on him yet. He has some decent dribbles, like I said, he has step backs. Um that's really what he heavily relied on to get open from 3. But I don't expect him to just be an isolation killer. You he kind of needs screens right now. And on defense, that's a major hole, and maybe, I'd say maybe that's why people wouldn't like him, because I don't really see a, a major hole in his offensive game, and if he is a consistent shooter, I don't think there is a hole in his offensive game. He always just seemed to get in major foul trouble in his games overseas. You'd think all of our team, we've always been like a defensive-oriented team, so you'd hope that we'd be able to get the bad habit of his fouling issues out of there. If we are able to do that, this is a home run pick. And even not, it's a home run pick. This guy has top, I'd say top 20 value in the draft. I don't know how we were able to take him at 34. And I expected a a huge market for the guy and just point guards in this class in general. There really wasn't a ton. A lot of the guys, like um, RJ Hampton, for example, also slid. So a lot of the point guards end up sliding, which caught me off guard. And he slid right into our lap at 34. You you know, as a Thunder fan, you couldn't be happier with this draft pick. The other dude that we took in the draft, I'm going to be honest, 
I have not practiced pronouncing his name. It's Vit Kredshi. I don't, honestly, I don't think it's correct. But he's a 20-year-old. We ended up trading up to pick him. We traded the 53rd pick and a future second to the Wizards. We got pick 34 and Admiral, Admiral Schofield. There were mocks not even having Vit being taken. And I never had him on my radar. I only do the first round mock drafts. I don't really look into second rounds because a lot of stuff happens there. I just like doing first rounds. I honestly didn't hear of him before. But after researching him, I like him. He was injured all last season. Um, He really hardly played. But he was playing. He was on the roster in the top league in Spain. I believe it's the Liga ACB League. Yeah, that I believe that's what it is. He's listed as a 6 foot 8 point guard. Now, we kind of already have a logjam at point guard now because of taking Maladin and the uh Chris Paul deal. We get two other ones. I like him. I don't know if we're going to stash him or what we're doing, but I really like moving him to like a shooting guard or small forward position and I'll explain why in a little bit but at the point guard he showed ball handling skills um he's a not yeah he's a nice ball handler and he's a really nice finisher he runs right into the defense every time he he gets his way inside he will jump right into you and he'll try to take a layup he actually I think he had a couple posters and some of his highlights so there's that he's really just he can dribble and then he can drive in on you i think that's his primary skill that i like from him he does make some smart decisions whenever he drives if he sees the corner open he will hit you just the iq he has it there now his jump shot is kind of a question mark his jumper looks really sweet but i mean you just really can't you really can't say much on if he's a good shooter or not just because he's been injured and he really just hasn't played a lot in the past couple years. He's kind of, he's another question mark just like Pogachevsky is. Now, the role I like him in preferably, it's like a point forward position and just an off ball scorer, especially if he picks up the three ball. I'd put him in at small forward. I'd stick him around the wing or the corner. If he has a wide open corner shot, he takes it. If not, you dish it to him in the corner. He will drive baseline. I'd almost like him more on the wing. You give it to him on the wing. He can do a little bit of dribble moves. He can try to drive in and make up make his own play because that is something that he's pretty solid at. Now, obviously, if he doesn't develop that three, that's when the options get a little limited. I don't know if I'd stick him at small forward. Maybe just leave him at point guard. But yeah, I think he's a good he's a good prospect, just like these other dudes that we we're taking. I like I said, I don't I don't like him as a point guard necessarily. I would like to see him change positions to like the point forward role. But yeah. Now a dude that we took pretty much immediately after the draft was Josh Hall. And I really like it. 
he got signed to a two-way deal, which, um, there's really no risk to it. At first, I was thinking, well, we should just sign him to a rookie-scale deal. We can still do that in the middle of the season if we feel like he deserves it. The mindset of this is, like, we have so many draft picks acquired, we don't want to sign somebody to a contract if we have to. We can wait and see if Hall pans out. If he doesn't, it's fine because he's not inked. But he's a dude who, if he changed, you know, if he made a better decision um, last year, he probably could have been picked. He would have been picked. I don't know, first or second round. But, yeah, he was a former five-star recruit um, two years ago. Or I guess I guess one year ago, yeah. But he opted to stay in like a prep school instead of college, and that really hurt him in terms of his draft stock. He's six foot nine, one hundred ninety. So it's one of these, you know, prototypes again where the hope is he can play multiple positions, he can defend multiple positions. Um, he's a He's a really nice, like, he has really nice dribble moves for being six foot nine at his height. And he's not, like, crazy athletic, but at the rim, he does show some promise. He he does bump into people and take his shots. I'd assume he'd be pretty good at drawing fouls over there. And another thing... He does have a really sweet pull-up jumper. Like, all the clips I was watching of him, he will just, he's going to run into, like, the mid-range, and he just stops on a dime, and it's going to pop it right over you. Now, the quality of the shots, that's a different story. I think the quality of them are not that high, but they were going in. So, that's a plus if he's able to consistently hit those the difference is you're making those over high schoolers try making those over nba players i don't know what the success rate would be it definitely would not be as good and that amongst other shots he just has a bad shot selection he he will like run into people and just shoot like a weird floater like what are you doing man instead instead of just kicking it out to the open guy he will try to create for himself and I mean, if he hits it, it's fine, but it's not a good habit to have. Um, so I do think the blue scenario is really good because he does need to develop. He's so raw, and I think it's due to him not wanting to go to college and instead thinking he could just ball out another year in high school and scouts would still be all over him. Now, in terms of his actual jump shot, I told you about how he's he has a nice pull-up jumper. Like the standstill jump shot, it looks really sweet. He has a really quick release. Um, I wouldn't rely, I wouldn't call him like a, a real threat from out there yet though. A lot of the shots, he would get an open like corner three. And instead of just immediately catching shooting it, he steps in and then he shoots a long two. And this is a high school three and he doesn't want to take it. They need to work on that. He he will do like a he'll do like a some dribble moves to try to free himself open for the three, but just the catch and shoots. Sometimes he just passes up on them for some reason, which that's kind of not a great sign to be having. 
I think when it comes down to it, he's going to be playing a lot in the G League. In our scenario, he will still be getting called up, and we'll just be testing out how he plays with us. I think if he's able to build up some muscle, because his frame is super tiny, and work on some of these issues, because he really is... There's really not one thing that pops out. I do like his handling ability, but the finishing's like decent. The three-pointer has a question mark on it. His defense is average. He doesn't have a ton of like glaring qualities for the most part. I th- I say give him some time in the G League, throw him in the NBA every once in a while. He may be a quality role player for us. So the depth chart as of now the starting five is SGA, Lou Dort, Kelly Oubre, Baisley, and Steven Adams. Which, you know, in the Western Conference, that's not a good, that's not a great starting lineup. But the whole point is, we're trying to lose some games. So, everyone outside of Adams is pretty young in their career. I like it. They all have a ton of potential. I think they're all going to improve for next season. For the backups, I have Theo Maladin already off the bench. I think he's a dude who will be getting minutes right away. I have Diallo as the backup shooting guard. As you know, Ferguson, he's out of here. He got moved um, in that Al Horford trade a couple days ago. Isaiah Roby, who a lot of people just completely forgot about, myself included, we got him at like the trade deadline last year for pretty much nothing. He's our backup small forward for now. Vit, I have him as a small forward, but obviously his true position's a point guard, so I should really throw him over there. But yeah, Roby's the backup small forward. Mike Muscala is returning. I'm pretty happy about that one. If he wasn't there, it would have been a major problem finding uh, a dude to fill that role, uh, backup power forward. I think um, Pogachevsky could do that, but I don't know if we want to immediately throw him, like, I don't know if we immediately want to give him the backup role. I think third string and just play him every once in a while, better suited. Muscala, he's a nice NBA veteran. It doesn't hurt to have him. And then we have Al Horford, who he's just kind of chilling there. He's going to be on the team for a couple years. Better get used to him. For our third string, it's Jalen LeCue, Admiral Schofield, who we just got from the Wizards. We got Vit, which, you know, it's debatable on where he plays. And then Pokachevsky, who I hope will be getting minutes with the Thunder this season. And then just four string, throwing your guys. You got Ty Jerome and Josh Hall. So... We have a logjam at point guard. Right now, as it stands, I do believe it depends on who we end up signing. I don't know if Vit is going to be stashed or not. If he comes over, we do have 15 players. So we'll see. We need to look at what the sign in trade for Gallinari is. There could be a couple dudes still on the move. We're not completely sure yet. And then we still have Adams. I, I like him. Adams could be a dude moved, and so is Ubre. So there still is a lot that could be subject to change. But that's just the team as it sits now. So 
In terms of the future, um, we got, I'd say, in Maladin and Pokachevsky, at, at their respective picks, probably the highest ceiling guys left on the board. I'm happy about that. Vit, he can be a, a special talent. I don't know if I'd play true point guard with him. I like point forward role. And then Josh Hall, he's a five-star prospect, didn't go to college. You try to build him up, maybe you can, you know, get him with the intention he can play on our team by the end of the year, and he will look like the five-star prospect that he was uh, scouted as back in high school. But thank you guys for listening to the podcast. I will be um, keeping you guys more up-to-date as free agency happens. I'll try to get another podcast out to y'all. But uh, thank you for listening, and I will see you guys next time.